Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. We are in part five of a series that we do every year called Live Love. Because a few years ago, there was a handful of us that felt confidently called to create an expression of church that did one thing, inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Like there was a bunch of us, and, and, and all of us had grown up in church. We had been in church, most of us, our whole lives. And it, it wasn't that that experience was altogether negative or bad. Most of it, a good portion of it was beautiful. But believing that there was, there was something that God was calling us to do, and that God had left room in his word for how we could do church. But he made it very clear as to why we would do it. Have you ever noticed that? That nowhere in Scripture does it say, this is exactly and only how you do church. It's got to be on this day, at this time, in this kind of building, with this kind of music, and you got to wear these kind of clothes. Like, that's never there. It's just not. And I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong, but we just felt like God was saying, create an expression of church. And really, the expression of church that you are leaning into, if you're a part of this thing called vintage, it's really a reflection of the personalities of the leaders that God sent our way and just believing that God had wired us a certain way. And then God started bringing different people into this place that he had gifted and used, and we just knew. And so God was very clear as to why we do church, but gave us room as to how. And the how will continue to evolve. And, and live love every year is not so much about the how, although at times it has been that, but it's revisiting the why. Because the how will constantly evolve and it'll change. And, the, and how we do church in order to inspire people to live in love like Jesus over the years, it has shifted. It's gone from different versions and expressions and locations. But why we do it, it it's never going to change. It's never going to change. Whether, whether it's a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now, because when Jesus gave the church its mission, it had no expiration date. That he said on that mountain, go with me once again to Matthew chapter 28. And just go ahead and skip on down to verse 19. He's gathered his disciples up on this hill and he knows that he's about to ascend back to the Father, that this portion of Jesus' assignment is done. He's, he's, he's paid the price, come on. He's given his life, he has shed his blood. The atonement that was needed to rescue us from our sin, it's been done. Death has been defeated, the grave is empty and they ain't standing there with a ghost. They're standing there with the physical, physical resurrected king. Come on, somebody. That's not bad for 815. Do you do realize that? Jesus, Jesus isn't Casper. Come on. Jesus is standing there in front of him, physically resurrected in flesh, when he says, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are words he physically said to the first that would follow Jesus. Go make disciples. And this year, we're leaning into that word, disciples, trying to really understand because like that's, 
When we say live and love like Jesus, that's what a disciple is. That's what a disciple does. He, it is. He or she is someone who lives and loves like Jesus. And we've just felt really, at least so far this year, in this version of live love, to, to deeply unpack what that means. So that what we are inspiring, what, what's leaving this building whether it's a worship gathering or a community group or whatever we do, that it's somebody who is really, really living out what it means to be a disciple. The church is called to make disciples. The, the church is not just, and we've tried to really make this clear, and I'll say it again, we're not here just, just to see you get saved. That's just the starting point, and that's awesome. And we want you to know that we want you to trust in what he did because we've been unpacking this little by little. A disciple is first somebody who's trusting in what Jesus did. Believing that what he did was necessary, that you are a sinner. Newsflash, so am I. That's who we are. It's who we, that's, we're born into it, and we're separated from God, and there's nothing that we can do about it. We can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough money. You can't, you can't deliver enough Thanksgiving meals. Like You can't do anything to be made right with God, and the good news is you don't have to because Jesus did it for you. He did it for you when he gave up his life, when he dove out of heaven and came to earth and embraced flesh and in the chaos here, and he willingly, not forcefully, he willingly laid down his life to, be the, to die the death that you and me, that we deserved. He took our sin and God dumped it on him and he paid the price. That's what he did. And if you've never done that, man, yeah, we want you to make that decision you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, to see the cross and the empty grave and to believe that Jesus is not some just historical figure. He is the one and only Son of God, God in flesh, divine and human, all at the same time. He lived a perfect life and paid the price. An innocent man died for your sins so that you could have life. But that's not all that it means to be a disciple. That's not it, Right? That's not it. And, and, and that's where we've stopped, unfortunately, right? That's, what, that's, that's all that we seem to have celebrated throughout the years. It's just that. But it's not just trusting in what he did. A disciple is also somebody who's living by what he said. It's somebody who knows that this is, this is the word of God. It's not just a book. It's not just a historical document. It was written by people, but it was inspired by God. And in it is eternal, universal truth at all times for all people. It is lasting. And when you open up this book and you, and you move in and, 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 and when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not just fairy tales. They're biographical accounts of this life that Jesus lived, intentionally given to us by God so that we could see Jesus and understand who he is because we weren't, we weren't like Matthew or, or Peter or John or his brother or Philip or Andrew. Or, we didn't get to walk with him, so we, we got their, their, their physical eyewitness accounts of these events. And there's, if you've got a Bible like mine, there's a lot of red letters in here, and they matter because they're the words of Jesus that we're supposed to align ourselves with. And as I said a few weeks ago, like we can't claim Christ and then align ourselves with an ideology that stands in contrast to these words. Come on, somebody. It's living by what he said. It's trusting in what he did. But, but can I add another line to that? Yeah, like to be a disciple means trusting in what he did, living by what he said, but also 
modeling the way that he lived. That a disciple is somebody who models the way that Jesus lived. See, Jesus is our model. He is our target. If you've been around vintage very long, you've heard me say this. If, if all Jesus came to do was die, he could have done that at any point. At any point. But he, also, he didn't come just to die. He came to show us how to live. Come on, somebody. He came to model how we're supposed to live in this world. Like that's, that's what Jesus, the way I've said it for years is in Jesus, God looked at humanity and said, that's how you do it. That, that's how you do it. You're looking at how to live. You're looking, no, don't look to a celebrity. <laughs> don't, don't look to an athlete. Don't look to, don't look to all the, don't look to anybody but Jesus. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know when we say that, often we think, well, Jesus is the way to heaven. Yes, he is the way to heaven, but Jesus is the way in every way. He is the way in every way. And that's why even in the early days of this thing, if you go to the book of Acts, more often than not, this thing was not, it wasn't called Christianity. You know what it was referred to the most in the early days? The way. Go to Acts chapter 9. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Like the way. Jesus is the way. He is the way that we're supposed to model like our lives are supposed to, the, the longer that we walk with him, the longer we, the further we move from that salvation experience, the more our lives should be being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Are y'all with me? And I know that's intimidating and I know that's difficult and that's not about your effort. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to transform your priorities, to transform your heart, your mind, the things that matter to you, to mold you into the way that Jesus lived. And you, as you walk through all of scripture, you see this call of a disciple is someone who's trusting in what he did, living by what he said and modeling the way that he lived. Look at 1 John chapter 2. We've already read this at least three times, I think, in this series, maybe more. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Verse 6 Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That means the disciple is constantly. Take an inventory of our lives, reading and studying and trying to understand his, and see those two come into alignment more and more as we grow in faith. Y'all with me? Say amen. Like, that's what we're doing, is we're constantly looking at our lives and then reading and studying and trying to understand the way that Jesus lived and bringing those two into alignment. Philippians chapter 2. Paul would say, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29 
Y'all know I love me some Romans chapter 8. Every day you should just get up, read Romans chapter 8 72 times, and then go about your day. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We see this call constantly in scripture pointing us to, hey, Jesus is who you're supposed to aim for. Like you're supposed to live, you're supposed to live and love like Jesus. See, we didn't just make that up. Like that is that is something very congruent and in alignment with the word of God, that what it means to be a disciple is to live and love like Jesus. And so that, that begs the question that we should always be answering, well, how did Jesus live and how did Jesus love? Like if that's our goal, if our goal is to live and love like Jesus, look at me, then we can't be ignorant of how Jesus lived and loved. And we don't get to just make it up. And the good news is like we don't have to. We have the scripture to tell us, to show us, to give us insight into how Jesus lived and how Jesus loved. And last week, we talked about one of the things we see evident in Jesus' life, that Jesus lived in proximity to others. Like, this was his main method of discipleship. Jesus lived in proximity to others. Now, we have, we have a very small window into Jesus' life. I'll even say it's not a window, it's a peephole. Because of his 33 years on earth, we have so very little. But the vast majority of what we do have is Jesus living in proximity to others. And that's something that we can't ignore. And last week we talked about if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to disciple and be discipled, it happens in proximity. But let me say this. Look at me. Proximity does not guarantee community. Y'all with me? Proximity does not guarantee, just because we're close doesn't mean we're connected. And number one, we, we can't, I said last week, we can't misunderstand connectivity because we have digital connectivity that is not proximity. We are digitally connected to people all over the world through social media, through mediums like this right here, and that's awesome. I'm grateful for it most of the time. Sometimes I hate it and believe it's from the devil himself. That's why we have to redeem it. We have to leverage it. We have to flood social media believers with not your opinions all the time, but some really good scriptural, biblical-based things. Okay, come on. But Jesus lived in that proximity to others. He did life with people. He let people get an up-close, personal look at him. And if we're going to disciple other people and if we're going to grow in our faith, then we have to do the same we have to also be willing to live in proximity to and with other people. We see that in Jesus' life. But when you stare at Jesus' life, yeah, you see him living in proximity to others, but you also see him living in intimacy with God. He lived in proximity to others, but he also lived in intimacy with God. God. And I would submit to you that proximity to others without intimacy with God usually doesn't go well. Because proximity to others without intimacy with God 
will often let the proximity of others lead you in a really negative direction. It's both. Are y'all with me? Am I making sense? Come on. It is proximity to others, but it is also intimacy with God. And Jesus modeled for us the need to live an intentional relationship with God and intimate, I mean, intentional relationship with others and intimate relationship with God. That to grow in our faith is intentional relationship with others and intimate relationship with God. And both are needed for you to grow, for you to move forward in your faith. And all throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus express this intimate relationship that the Son has with the Father. And I know the Trinity is one of those complex things that that God in three persons, three and one, all the same. And when people, if you ever read somebody trying to explain the Trinity in its fullness, it can't be explained completely. It's those beautiful mysteries of God. We can try to wrap our mind around it, but the reality is it's the beautiful nature in which God has chosen to exist. Come on. But we see that Jesus is trying to show us that the intimacy that he had with God is something that he longs for us to have with him as well. And all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Gospels, especially if you walk through the Gospel of John, it's almost like John specifically noted the things that Jesus said about the intimacy that that Jesus seemed to have with the Father. It's like it stuck with him in such a real way that there are all these times when John recalls and when he writes in his old age. And remember, I love the Gospel of John because it's the last one to be written. And it's decades after John had tried to figure out what it means to live for and know Jesus. And as he's pinning these moments with Jesus, he constantly remembers all the times that Jesus talked about the connection that the Son had with the Father and the desire that Jesus had to see his followers experience the same. Look at John chapter five. It says, Jesus gave them the answer when these people are questioning him. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Like John remembers this moment when Jesus in response to being questioned, he says, I'm only doing what I see the father doing that Jesus expressed this connection that he had with the Father frequently. Go to to John chapter five, verse 30. Jesus says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. That Jesus lived in proximity to others in intentional relationship with others, but he also lived in intimacy with God, in intimate relationship with him. John chapter 12, verse 49, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Again, move forward to John chapter 14, the latter part of verse 10. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. That Jesus is continuing saying, like, everything that you see that I'm doing, everything that is happening in and through my life is because I'm living in intimacy with the one who sent me. That it is my relationship with the Father 
that is dictating and controlling my relationship with everything else. Does that make sense? Is, is the vertical is right so that the horizontal is good? That I'm, I'm keeping in connection with him and intimacy with him so that when I say these things to you, I'm saying them out of the abundance of what I'm hearing from him and, and receiving from him. We are living in connection. And when Jesus in John chapter 17, when he's in the upper room with the disciples and he starts praying for them and us, you see him express this concept of, of Father, I want them to have what we have. I want them to have with you what I get to have with you. Look at John chapter 17. It says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Look at verse, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me, and I have loved them even as you have loved me. He says, Father, what I'm really praying is that the intimacy that we have, that they know it too. That they have with you what I've had with you. I want them to know you the way that I know you. I want, I want them to experience the kind of connection, the kind of intimacy that we have. I want them to have it. And Jesus knew the, the first step to achieving that was to deal with sin. Because see, the intimacy that that. God desired for us is most evidence in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember that? Before the fall, before sin entered the world. And you know that everything that is about the gospel is to trying to restore the relationship that God had with us before sin ruined it. That's the whole point of the gospel. Come on. The whole point of the gospel is to restore the intimacy with God that humanity had before it was severed by sin. When Adam and Eve were first created and they walked in the cool of the day in the garden in the fullness of God and in his presence and until sin came in the world and they realized something was broken and for the first time they thought they needed to hide from God and God said, it's okay because from the onset I knew this would happen and I'm gonna fix it. And we desire that... More than anything, God wants us to know him. To know him. Jesus lived in this world in the kind of relationship with God. Jesus, the, the son and the father, had the same relationship that the father wants to have with all his sons and daughters. Have you ever thought about that? Because he calls you son. He calls you daughter. And that's the kind of relationship. Like he wants to be known. He wants you to know him. And I know a lot of us grew up in this expression of church that, that how we view God was so different. God was somebody to be scared of. And I know about reverent fear and I get all that. That there should be this, his holiness. And y'all understand what I'm saying, right? But God wants you to know, he, like he wants to live in relation. Jesus didn't come to usher in new religious ritual, but to usher in the opportunity for real relationship. And that's what Jesus is praying. He's praying, Father, the relationship that we have, I can't wait till they get to have it too. That him dying on the cross would create the opportunity for us not just to go to church on Sunday, or feel conviction 
when we sin. And both of those things are needed and necessary. But so that we could live in real, authentic relationship with God. God wants you to know him. He wants you to, everything that he's been doing is to make himself known. Jasmine said something when we were doing midweek live, studying the book of Acts. And I guess I knew it, but ever since she said it, like it's just changed my life. How often do we realize that this is not a book to just tell us what to do, but to make him known? This is not a book that's meant to cause you to live in confinement. It's the book that's intended to cause you to live in relationship with the creator of the universe. God didn't write this book, give you this, to give you a set of rules, but to give you the framework necessary to live in relationship with him. Are y'all with me? Like, he wants you to know him. Like, know him. Do you know him? I'm not saying, do you know how to be a good Christian? Do you know how to act right? (laughs) Do you know how to behave? Or even just that you... I'm glad that, yeah, as you get to know him, you get to learn really important things that that set a framework. And again, can I just remind you that every relationship operates within a framework of expectations in order to be healthy. Y'all with me? But it's for you to know him. And not just like, do you know about him? Do you know him? You can know about somebody and not really know them. Do you know him? That if we're going to be disciples, that it, disciples are people who trust in what he did, live by what he said, model the way he lived, and the way he lived was an intimate relationship with God. And that's what a disciple should live, an in, intimate relationship with God. Knowing him. Do you know him? Do you understand what I'm asking? Give me some, talk to me. Yeah. Do you know him? And some of you are like, man, I I don't know if I do. How do I? The only two things I could come up with in the last couple weeks is, is how do you get to know him? Intentional pursuit plus time. That's how you get to know God. Intentional pursuit plus time. Like it takes an intentional pursuit. Like you, you, you have to want to know him. You have to try to get to know him. You have to spend time. Intentional pursuit plus time. Just because it's like anybody else, like, the, it takes time, right? Ashley and I, this summer, we'll be married 22 years. And I hope I know her more and better now than I did then. Like all relationships, it, over time, you get to know each other better. And it's the same way with God. Intentional pursuit plus time. And all throughout God's word, we see, we see these calls, these reminders. He says, seek me. Seek me. I want you, I want you to seek me. I want, you to, I want you to come after me. And he always says that every time, like, he'll, he'll meet that call. Like, he's, he's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. Right? Wanting to be found. Wanting you to discover him. Wanting you to see him. Wanting you to know him. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. 
He says, pursue me. Intentional pursuit plus time will lead to you getting to know the God who formed you, made you, died for you, wants you, desires you. It's who he is. And we see Jesus exercise this intentional pursuit and time all throughout Scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That's intentional pursuit, y'all. He said there was mornings he got up, and he didn't wake up Peter, and he didn't wake up John, and he snuck out of their camp, and he found a lonely place where he just spent time with the Father. If modeling the way Jesus lived, that might be the most important thing that he showed us. It says, and, and then Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this happened often, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places in order to pray. Intentional pursuit plus time moves you to the place where you get to know God where you read his word and you seek his face. And prayer is the opportunities. What if you saw prayer as less a place to submit requests and more a space to cultivate relationship? What if prayer was less a place to submit requests and more a space to cultivate relationship? where you got to know him better. I love what Paul prays for the Ephesians, and what Paul prays for the Ephesians is essentially what I'm praying for us today. Ephesians chapter one, verse 16. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Like, yes, I know sometimes I want to pray, Lord, help the people in our church to stop posting that stupid stuff on Instagram. Lord, please, God, raise up volunteers, put, put it on people's heart to serve, to give. To, but you know what? More and more, God, just put it on my heart. God, I pray that they would just want to know you better. I want you to know him. And I want everything our church does to help you know him better. Know him better. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, Hebrews 10, says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with, with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward good deeds, not giving up meeting together so 
as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, let's draw near. Let's use everything that we're doing to draw near, to get closer, to know him better. Do you know him? Are you, do, are you intentionally pursuing him, not for the purpose of, of, of getting what you want or, or even solving your problems or even necessarily making you feel better about stuff, but just so that you know him? Do you know him? A couple weeks ago, I'm going to cry now. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. A couple weeks ago, the generosity of somebody in our church, I got the opportunity to take my little girl to a Broadway show that was here in town. And I was her hero that day. And so that day I found out I got the tickets and I texted her and said, hey, baby, I, I was able to get some tickets to go see the show tonight. And, and just me and you are going to go. And whatever you want to do, so when you get home from school, get dressed up. I'm going to get dressed up. You can pick where we go to eat, and then we're going to go see Wicked together, and we're going to have a good time. And I think they got a picture of, of me. When, just me and my little girl. And we were riding up to Greensboro, and I said, baby, where do you want to go eat? And she said, I want to go to Mellow Mushroom, because mom won't ever let us go there because she doesn't eat that stuff. I said, that sounds awesome. So we walked in and we sat at the table and there wasn't a moment of silence that whole meal. She talked to me about life and school and just everything that was going on in her world. My 13-year-old daughter. And when she got up to go to the bathroom right before we were going to leave to go to the place, I felt the Lord say to my spirit, you know this is what I want, right? a daughter sitting there and yes she was excited about going to Wicked but I could tell she was excited just to be with me just to spend time with her dad and the Lord said you know you know that's what I want too right like I want you just to want to be with me not because what I can give you not even just because of what I've done for you but just because I, I love you and I want you to love me I just want us to spend time together. I want you, the way you feel wanted right now, Matt, that's what I'm looking for from you toward me. I want you to know me. I want you to want me. That's what he wants from you. You're just one of his kids that he desires to know and for you to know. as awesome as that night was and how grateful I am for that time with my daughter I'm also grateful for the lesson that I've learned because it's changed my time alone with him and Matt just sit with me and yeah there's going to be moments when you have to lean into my wisdom and all that but so can I challenge you to do something can I give you something really practical every day pick a time every day pick a time let God, be, let God be a part of your daily schedule. Pick a time. And maybe you got to follow Jesus' model and get up before the sun comes up. You know, that's a challenge for a lot of us. Pick a time, okay? Pick a place. A place free of distraction. A place where you can sit down your phone. A place where you don't have to have your kids demanding things from you. A 
place for you. Pick, pick a time, pick a place. And then I also want to encourage you, have a plan. Just so that it just isn't wasted. Some scripture to read, some music to listen to. You know what I've been doing? I've been writing out my prayers to make sure at times that I'm not just sitting there asking God for stuff, but I'm just really talking to him. Your father is just looking for a couple moments every day where it's just you and him. So maybe before we rush out of this room, let's have one right now. Lay your close your eyes with me. If you're watching online, let's practice it right now. Tell you what I do. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And then if you want to leave, you go ahead and leave. If you want to stay here for just a few minutes, we have another service starting in about 40 minutes. But if you want to stay here, or maybe you're watching online, and as soon as I pray and I technically dismiss us, you just want to turn off this broadcast and just sit there for a minute and just have some time with God. Being a disciple is modeling the way that Jesus lived. And Jesus, yeah, he lived in proximity to others, but he lived in intimacy with God through intentionally pursuing him. So just spend some time with the Father this morning. Don't don't be in a hurry. Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, for your desire to know us and live in relationship with us. And God, help us just to find you. God, help us to carve out some time every day. Intentionally pick a time, a time that can be consistent, a time we can find you, a time that is a daily part of our lives. Help us to find a place free of distraction, free of demand on us where we can just experience your presence and get to know you. And God, help us to be intentional with a plan that helps us lean into you and understand who you are. you're in the room and you feel led to stay for a few minutes, we invite you to do that. If you're watching online, go up in just a minute. Just turn this off and just spend some time with the Lord. We love you guys. We thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Stay in the room as long as you need. If you're online, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.